0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you, as always, for joining me on this sports podcast, where we have a lot to discuss in the winter sports season. We're in March, and the playoffs are gearing up in both basketball and hockey. Got some guests to break down both of those sports. First off, Joker Sally calling in from the Pacific Northwest to talk about the NHL playoff races. Rangers still going strong. We actually recorded that during a Rangers game. That was pretty fun, so we get his thoughts on the team and how they're a little bit ahead of schedule on their rebuild, pushing for a playoff spot, as well as my Columbus Blue Jackets doing the same. Talk about both playoff races in the East and the West. The Flyers looking very, very good. Drysaddle looking like he's going to run away with the scoring title and more news and notes for the world of hockey. And then my buddy, my college homie, Chris Scruggs, calling in to discuss hoops. He was a big Kobe fan, so we break down that unfortunate, tragic situation that still doesn't seem real. Talk about the Rockets' new-look roster and their continued success with Russell Westbrook uh, hitting his stride. Some St. Louis hoops talk with Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal. And the uh, L.A. uh, impending showdown in the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Clippers. All that and more with Chris Scruggs. First up, Joe Crisali here on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, Money Mitch Effect back again. Talking Hockey, Joe Crisali calling in. And Joe, thanks for joining the show that we conveniently are taping in between uh, periods two and three of Blues Rangers.
1: Great game. It's a great game. We can't be missing any of this
0: action. No, you know what? I mean, it's still going to be spoiled by the time this gets out, but this is a a great time. We've turned the calendar. It's March now, and... uh, Everything is, you thought last year was wide open, the Blues winning their first Stanley Cup in history, uh, Tampa Bay going out in the first round, a lot of exciting playoffs. We're about, a you know, less than a month left in the season now, and it is wide open. I mean, you could tell me that eight teams, possibly ten teams could be cup champions, and I would buy it based on how just wide open it is, how the playoff races, the division races, Joe, everything is going to come down to the wire.
1: Dude, it's crazy. We were just talking before about how awesome it is, well, at least for me, that the Rangers are even close to having a chance to get in. It would be great if the Islanders would just take a seat and the Rangers could flop with them and we could just have our two teams, our two squads rolling into the playoffs. Watching this uh, watching this game right here against the Blues, like I said to you before, it's really great to see how good the Rangers have gotten. I mean, you throw them up against a team like the Blues, who are conceivably in first place in their conference, pretty much tied with the Avalanche, and they're playing them well, and the Rangers, they had that streak. They, well, they win seven games in a row, mm-hmm. six games in a row, something like that. Sadly, they lost to the Flyers. But I mean, of all teams to lose to to break that streak, that kind of sucks. But they yeah. lost. Sh- Shesterkin. Shesterkin got in that car accident. Georgiev has stepped up. Longfoot's not looking great, but Georgiev has stepped up. Hopefully, Shesterkin will be back. But losing Chris Kreider uh, with that broken foot for maybe a-, a month, maybe the last month of the season that's going to be tough for them to overcome.
0: Yeah. And I would say to the craziness about this being uh, first off, you know, prayers to the guys in the, co- in the car accident, you know, bigger things to worry about there. But the craziest thing about this is Hank not being a factor, kind of, kind of a little on the sad side. What's, I don't want to say he's gotten phased out, but they haven't necessarily needed him uh, with how the, how the season's gone and how that streak has gone, Joe, but they're, They're doing about what you thought, albeit maybe with different faces and uh, a different push late. Because we talked before the year and you thought maybe be in the playoff picture, just about miss out. I don't know if they get in, but this is uh, ahead of schedule for sure for the rebuild that they started probably a year and a half ago.
1: The thing, yeah, the thing is, I said before, they had to go full New York on it, like the Yankees and just upstart that rebuild and make it go faster. And the way that this season has gone, I mean, they started out pretty slow, but They've really kicked it on lately, and it's <laughs> it's got me all jittery because now I'm thinking like, oh man, they gotta, they're, they're going to get in the playoffs. And seeing them go up against the Blues, the Blues went on that incredible run last year. Nobody was talking about them, and then they went on that incredible run and they won the Cup. So in my head, I'm like, oh my God, can they do the same type of thing? with they have they have the talent, they have the players that can do it. Guys coming out of nowhere like Tony D'Angelo, he's having a career year. Sabanajad, top five. Top five fantasy hockey player,
0: mm.
1: amazing thirty goals. Panarin over thirty goals, ninety points already for Panarin. Yeah, he threw Kreider, his hat in Luz the MVP race. Part.
0: I mean, Panarin's throwing his hat in the MVP race late. Uh, I don't know that he becomes a finalist, but he's definitely pushing up on top five based on how he's played. And Kreider, which hey, if there's some moral support there, you got him locked up. You didn't sell him at the deadline, and it's a pretty affordable contract.
1: That was amazing. What, when they extended that deal to him, what was it? Uh, I think it's like six or seven mil a year. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, not not terrible for, for him. I was thinking that he was going to be asking for a lot more. And the fact that they were confident enough to lock him up and see him as a, a core piece that they can move forward with is just awesome. And then not even to mention, they got Adam Fox, rookie D-man, not getting talked about at all. But he's had a great year. He's been a big, big part for them. The only downside for me is... Um, I, sadly, Capo hasn't had a great year. He's been getting bodied pretty mm-hmm. pretty hard, even in this game. He just looks like a, a youngster. But he's got the players around him. The Rangers have built a solid young core. And I love I love where they're headed. So whether it's this year they get in the playoffs or not, it's been a great run. And it's funny because when they acquired Mika the Zibanejad a couple of years ago, trading Derek Broussard. Uh, when he was on the Senators, I was I was a huge Broussard fan. I was like, "Why are they making this move? This guy's so young. His numbers aren't so great." But shows you what do I know. Mikko Zibanejad <laughs> has been one of the best players in the league. He's been uh, a standout player for the Rangers and Panarin, That big contract, he's he's owning up to it. Like he, he's earning it, and it's it's just awesome. And Ryan, not even to mention like Ryan Strom, another another great player for them.
0: Yeah, Kreider's contract's about uh, seven years, six and a half million. It's a very fair market deal. Georgiev stepping up in goal, Um, and yeah, I mean, this is about where we thought that they would be. Uh, Still going to be tough to make the playoffs, but you got to like what you see from those young Rangers who are continuing to fight. A lot going on in the world. Lot going on in the world of hockey. We have to address one thing, Joe, uh, that we don't agree, that we don't like, but we have to agree on. I think the Flyers are kind of good. Uh. <laughs> hey, I, I called them as a playoff team. You remember that. I called them as a playoff team, and I actually thought there was he value did. on them as a long shot. Stanley Cup pick, I still don't know they have enough to take the cup, but they're on fire as of late. The goaltending's been there all season, and Carter Hart, they're actually Joe getting the scoring they want. And uh, we know Claude Giroux is a stud, but Kevin Hayes. I mean, we kind of laughed oh, at that contract, even... but he's performing. I'm still laughing at it. I'm still laughing Okay, long term long term value is gonna be rough, but what he's doing in the short term for this year, it's worth it.
1: <laughs> over for the last what, ten games, he's got five goals. He's putting up numbers lately, I guess at the time when it matters. <laughs> yeah. But for his season as a whole, dude's got thirty nine points, he's minus eight. He's really he hasn't performed, I think, the way that they want him to perform, but if he continues this run that he's been going on that you know, they're going to be hard to stop. And they, they're a very physical team, the Flyers. Watching yeah, them play you the saw Rangers that, you that firsthand
0: in a couple of those fights, huh?
1: Yeah. So they're gritty, they're tough, but I hate them. <laughs> but you put, you you called it. They're going to be in the playoffs, and we're going to have to deal with them. And I'm just going to have to sit back and watch.
0: 17-0-1, I think, is the stat when Hayes scores a goal this year. I think that's what we're about at right now. Uh, so they're they're playing very well when he scores. Obviously, he's been a difference maker defensively. They've shored some things up, and they got a game uh, coming up with Washington. They beat Washington on Wednesday night as we record this on Tuesday. They're a point out of the division race, so it's a uh, a scary time if you don't like the Flyers. But they're trending in the right direction. Pittsburgh in that metropolitan trending in the wrong direction as they look to try to just hold on. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at with the Blue Jackets, uh, Joe, just trying to hang on by a thread. They come back and beat Vancouver (laughs) with with four third-period goals. They've got a couple games in hand. They're in that second wild-card spot behind the the Islanders, who is trailing now as well as we record this. But Jackets are fighting hard, but uh, the injuries, man, I I I can't think of another team. I might be wrong. I might get some flack for this, but they're up there with any team in terms of Injury issues. When you talk, Seth Jones, Atkinson, Gerby out now. Uh, it's just been a constant, constant uh, train of injuries for them.
1: I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome all that. Sadly, it's losing fair. when you you had you had lost Bjorkstrand. If that's how you pronounce it, yeah, that's another one. You lost him. You lost him for a fair part of the season, and he came back and he was a, a pretty dominant goal scorer. I mean, I think he had twenty-one goals in however many games he played. But you guys went one in ten to end february which is pretty awful somehow got a
0: lot of points in overtime (laughs) otherwise it'd be a disaster right now but um (laughs) yeah that was february to forget i I think is what they're calling it in columbus
1: and that's not really the trajectory i think you want to be on as you head into a, a playoff race and who knows maybe they could turn it around but i don't necessarily know if they have the chops to stick with the rest of the teams that are fighting there. Like Pittsburgh, like you said, is falling off a little bit and the point differential between all the teams from wildcard into each division, into each, uh, yeah, into each division, it's, it's very close. So if you guys can just stay afloat, you guys are tied right now. The Blue Jacks are tied right now with the Islanders in the wild card. Rangers and, uh, Rangers are behind by four points and the Hurricanes by three points. So, it's super. T- it's a super tight race, but it's super tight from top to bottom. I mean, you take Boston at the top out of it, and it's it's pretty straight through yeah. for the
0: most part. Boston's been on a tear. Tampa is a pretty solid second team in that division. They would be first in the Metro too. But aside from those two, I mean, Toronto has kind of regained their form uh, with the new coach situation there. With Matthews being on an absolute tear for them, but the rest of the Atlantic pretty much sucks. Like if we're being if we being honest. Like if you look at the wild card race, it's one to four all Metro teams, with the Devils being the only dead weight in that division. Uh sucks to suck to uh to those fans right now. But Florida Florida whiffed on that one. I'll be the first to admit. Thought they'd be better. I don't understand how Bobrovsky is giving them very little and the back line is just not good because they're scoring goals. I thought that might be the issue. They're actually doing pretty well offensively but they can't stop anybody
1: no nah, and they kind of threw the towel in when they traded check away I think they they see they saw the writing on the wall they see the writing on the wall they don't they don't have what it takes to get into it this year but I think Bobrovsky sucking this badly is one of the biggest surprises for me because he the team shells out money like that for a big name goalie uh you know award winner he, he he's been a great player his whole career but I guess you take him away from his best bud, Panarin, and then they kind of he kind of just well, falls
0: apart. Yeah, I think this also shows you, I mean, yeah, granted, it, it does feel like Columbus dodged the bullet not paying him, but they were never really going to pay him. They were going to pay Panarin if he wanted to stay. It kind of shows you goalies a lot like certain players in other sports, but maybe unique to this. It, it's not necessarily a sure thing. They get hot. They go on tears. They're not that consistent. At his age, I don't know how you justify, even after the playoffs he had last year, paying any goalie that amount of money over that long of a term that hasn't shown. I mean, maybe the very few ones. There's very few consistent ones that you can expect night in, night out to perform at a high level. But there's not that many. And Bobrovsky's done this before going on hot streaks where he's been the best goalie in the league for a couple weeks. But it's hard to just have so much of your cap tied up to a guy that is prone to playing bad. This isn't the first time he's sucked. Maybe the longest streak. But with his age, I think it's fair fair to say that this is a clunker of a deal.
1: No, absolutely. You guys definitely dodged the bullet, not paying him big money. But there's it, there's very limited amount of goalies in the league that, let me just, just say, like you would take in the first round of your fantasy draft. And then even then, it, they don't necessarily turn out. You kind of got to get lucky. Like You got to look at the goalies of the future now. I feel like it's starting to turn around. Mm-hmm. A lot of the guys' names that we know, they're kind of turning a new leaf. And you're looking at the young guys like Shesterkin and Georgia for the Rangers, which they were talking about trading Georgia halfway through the year. And then they're like, wait a second, Henrik, we cannot have him in that multiple games in a row. Yeah. So, but then you look at the other teams, like top goalies, we think Ben Bishop might be the top goalie. Basilevsky, he's a young goalie. He's been around for a couple of years, but he's still a young goalie. And yeah, I don't think shelling out a bunch of money for a top tier goaltender would be worth it, proven by this Bobrovsky deal. Also, one more thing I want to go at is, will the Buffalo Sabres ever be a so, good team? So
0: that was the other thing. I'm glad you mentioned it. We're on the same wavelength today. That was the worst <laughs> trade deadline I've seen in a while. I don't know why they thought they were going to be buyers. I don't. I think I feel the worst. Like If you're talking about players I feel bad for in the NHL, I think number one clearly is Jack Eichel because he just kills uh-huh. them every night and has no one around him. So, you know, to answer your question, I'm not sure if they'll ever be a good team. It sucks because they have such loyal and diehard fans, and no one really hates them. Like even you, as a Rangers fan, like there's no real bad yeah, I there. Don't.
1: Their um, logo is
0: sick too. It's a sick logo. I'm, I love that they have the old school colors that they ditched the the terrible ones from from the late '90s. I just think that. It sucks what's happened. I thought they'd be a little better. They'd compete for a playoff spot, but Joe, they they should not have tried to go for it at the deadline where they were. I mean, it, it, that was just foolish. And and I, I think it's trending so bad that I think Eichel's going to want out in a year. I do.
1: Oh, that would stink. I mean, that's possible. But you look at the same thing on the other side. With I'm just I'm not going to compare these two, but McDavid, like, if, are we going to ever well, see? Okay. We're gonna get to.
0: Is- I want to get to him in a second. Actually, we can get to him right now here on the Money Mitch effect with Joker. Yeah, going. I
1: just mentioned him because he popped up on my screen.
0: Yeah, of course he did. I mean, he pops up everywhere. Um, in terms of the Western Conference, it's been a very fun year for that as well. A lot of unpredictability, and uh, you look at the Pacific Division. It's just a free for all, really. All you can count on is that the the California teams all suck. L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim, obviously. But Edmonton is in that second spot. They're two points out of the division. They're, they've got a game in hand in Vegas, and they're going to be in the mix, it seems like. Uh, they also might, I don't know if this has ever happened, Joe, they might be trendsetting in another regard because they might go 1-2 in MVP voting.
1: It's possible. Well, and uh, McDavid I are I, insane.
0: Look, I'll just, I'll, I'll, it might be a hot stand here that I'm going to take, but I'll put it like this. Everybody in their mother knows that McDavid is the best player in the league, the better player between him and Dreisaitl. But if you look at numbers, and I, and I understand that there are times when McDavid just puts it on a tee and it's just a huge advantage playing with him and how awesome and at times unfair it would be. But Dreisaitl's got 107 points in, what, 66 games. He's already hit 43 goals uh, on the season to go with 64 assists. He's the MVP right now. And for McDavid or whoever else to catch him, they got to at least make it close in the numbers. Because regardless of who you play with and and what the system is, if you just pretty much victory lap the league, that has to count for something. Dry settles the MVP right now, and uh, I don't know that it's that much of a debate with two weeks left, where things could obviously or two weeks of games left where things could obviously change.
1: Yeah, I mean. I'm I'm sort of there with you. He's definitely up there in points and everything. I
0: mean, the dude scored four goals in his last game.
1: Let's be real, but uh, it's just hard. I mean, do you give do you give the the MVP to somebody who is definitely better because of one other player that that they play with, well- or do you look at a guy? Or do you fair. look at a guy like McKinnon? McKinnon, mm. who just dominates by himself. But granted, his points aren't even nearly close to.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, still fifth in the league, though. It's like, wow, McKinnon yeah, yeah. just—you know—he's not really there. He's, he's got eighty-six points in sixty-five games. Um, <laughs>
1: he's only got eighty-six.
0: <laughs> let's also—I mean, yeah—I I think that's fair. You have to check every box or check extra boxes if you are going to win the MVP with McDavid on your team. Uh, one of the ones that I really like is he's played every game. He's gone—he's sixty-six games played. He's played in every game, and you could count on him all year. Uh, This isn't a fluke season, too. We have examples of him for the last three years of him being a beast. So, um, you know, I I just think what he's done is just incredible. And he had the hat trick, and he's, you know, going at an alarming rate. McDavid's something, and, and this is a perfect storm for them in the short term. Because Edmonton has their flaws like every team in the Pacific, but it's a wide-open division, and it's a wide-open path to the conference final. The Central is always going to be a bloodbath. You're watching how St. Louis plays. They have just as good a chance as anybody to win the Cup and be that repeat team. Because of how they play, how they shorten the game, how they make you earn every inch of ice out there, Colorado has really picked it up in spades, and Dallas has rebounded, so you have three solid teams in that division that are going to make for an interesting playoff path coming out of there. But if you look at the Pacific, I mean Vegas has rebounded nicely, eight and two in their last ten, Edmonton Calgary yeah. are there two three Vancouver's kind of teetering, Arizona's still in the mix, I mean. These teams are, are kind of new to this for for this core for these cores that they have. So I think the Pacific is wide open. Put a hat in a race. Only thing I care about, Joe, is that we get the battle of Alberta at some point.
1: Oh, that'd be so dope. <laughs> but uh, I want to. I just I had a, I got a metaphor I gotta get out there.
0: Okay, go ahead. So you go back to
1: Drysdale with uh, McDavid. So you're giving Pippin MVP.
0: Okay. Na- that, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it plays for one reason. Give me one year where Pippen put up better numbers than Jordan when they were on the same team. That's true. That's it didn't happen now. True. <laughs> now now that said what I'm trying to say. I understand. But we've reached the point where in hockey is a different game where this is like more of a Crosby Malkin situation where there yes. were years where Malkin was the better player. I don't think anybody I mean yeah, Malkin's high end game. Still people debate and say Give me one game, Evgeny Malkin. And I understand what they're saying, because when he's on offensively, he change and takes, changes and takes over the entire game. We're kind of seeing that with Dreisaitl as a goal scorer. But, yeah, McDavid is just McDavid is ridiculous. His first game back was that game against the Kings, and you saw that goal he scored where he just completely yep. undressed. I think it was Campbell had his jock strap up in, like, the rafters somewhere. Uh, that was rough <laughs> for him. But, uh, yeah, no, I think and Vegas is the team that deserves a lot of credit too, Joe, because – Another team that fired their coach, wanted to shore things up, got some goaltending and and defensive help. They're on a a tear. They were my cup preseason pick, and I still like them as an outside chance. It's all going to depend on one thing and one thing only. Will Flurry get hot in the playoffs? If that happens, I give them a chance to go through whoever and and not be the favorite, but have a chance over Colorado or St. Louis.
1: Yeah, dude, I could see it. And they just, I mean, they just acquired Robin Liner, too, who is no slouch as a, as a even a starting goaltender in the league and they're gonna have him backing up Flurry in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's pretty solid for them. Another guy that made it out of Buffalo just in time. But it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like
0: that's like Escape from Buffalo, just a, a movie or a memoir. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but yeah. I'm yeah. down I'm down with Vegas seeing seeing where they go. They had enough they had a slow start to the year too, like you said. Um, but I don't necessarily know if they're gonna make it through. The West it's going to be the western conference is going to be hard to pick a team to come through you know they're all kind of on a level playing field the east you, you there's teams on the top and then there's everybody else but the west right. it's pretty it's it's you know it's pretty flat from top to bottom and yeah. it's going to be hard to kind of pick who you think gets through because nashville they haven't been great this year. I don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to hold on to that last wild card spot. Like you said, I Eric, mean, you're all within kinda... three points.
0: Like, that's Minnesota, yeah. who you, you were a lot higher than them, on them than I were. They, they're playing well. I mean, you got five teams, the top two, and then three extra. The next three are all within three points. I mean, I don't think Chicago makes a move, obviously, uh, but I think everybody else in that mix is, can definitely throw their hat in the race, even Winnipeg, who uh, has had their struggles and is still teetering around. But. The Western Conference, I mean, I think the safest bets are obviously Colorado or St. Louis, how they played and their style of play. But another you know one of your teams, Joe, the Dallas Stars. But the way Bishop plays in net, I think the best goalie in the league this year consistently, yeah, tough, to be, tough, yeah. tough to beat a team like that four out of seven times.
1: Absolutely. Especially when they're starting to fire in all cylinders. I mean, granted, they only have one 20-goal scorer, And if you could tell me who it is, you win a gold star.
0: Wow, I don't have the stats in front of me. I know it's not their big guns. Uh, (laughs) No, Uh, Go ahead. I don't have anything right now. I I won't Uh,
1: leave you dry. Dennis Gurionov, 20 goals.
0: Okay, because, you know, who are you going to guess, right? Obviously, Pavelski is not a guess anymore. Uh, And Corey Perry. I I thought you said 20 major penalties, and I almost guessed him. But, uh, (laughs) no, I mean... uh, the stars don't score at the clip they used to, but their style of play has had success. They actually remind me a lot. Now I'm going to get crucified for this a little bit because they're not as good yet, but they play a lot like those Kings teams used to play where all the real estate's tough and they do a good job defending in front of their goalie. Their goalie is obviously elite, but they do a good job not leaving him out to dry. Any elite goalie will get scored on. If you give up a ton of odd man rushes and, and they're doing a good job of not doing that. So, Hey, this is going to be a good playoff race, uh, a good rush to see who gets in, but also what the seating looks like. Um, I think Colorado, I think, though, I, I, I like the Avs, man. I'm, I'm high on what that team can do. McKinnon is a, is a beast, and every time you watch him, you just think that he's in that Crosby mold where he affects the game in so many different ways.
1: Just the way that the season is starting to unfold, I, I think my stars, I think I had stars, Avs, in the final, and I think that that could be something that definitely in could the come Western through.
0: Conference final.
1: Yeah, that could be something. I mean, those two teams are they're, they're firing away, and well, yeah. you mentioned that Ben Bishop best goal in the league, Anton Kudobin best backup goalie in the league by far this year. I don't even think it's close. Sixteen wins, nine thirty save percentage. They throw that guy out there. It's Bishop is in it. It doesn't matter. But I think. Parts of that you can attribute to how good their defense is. Granted, a lot of the guys they have on D are young, like Heiskinen, but Klingberg has been amazing. Lindell has been amazing this year, and the the stars are finally firing it around. They're 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 kind of like the Islanders last year. They don't really have anyone that's scoring, but they're getting great goaltending and they're playing great hockey.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, the way the seating is, it looks like they're going to have to meet in the conference semis if it is stars and uh, or even the first round if it's Colorado and Dallas, but that would be a great playoff series for sure. Um, yeah, I think the I think the wild card in the West is gonna be I'll say at this point that Nashville Peters out. Give me give me the Yotes Minnesota. making give me the Yotes making a run. Ooh. I think, I can I see think it. Kemper's been had, a heck of a goalie. Um, you had did,
1: Vancouver I did you have Vancouver.
0: Vancouver.
1: Yeah, so just I'm, give me Minnesota. We'll have Vancouver, okay. Minnesota. Okay. And we both get one.
0: <laughs> okay. We both had Winnipeg out. They can make us look foolish. I didn't have the Yotes, but it'd be cool to see that team there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be fun. Any one of those, any two of those five teams, any combination would be fun. Uh, and I do think the MVP, um, the MVP finalists are probably going to be Dreisaitl, McDavid, and uh, Pasternak or McKinnon. I mean, God, someone's going to get snubbed, man. I mean, this is going to be it's be well, yeah. tough. I mean, what do you? How do you pick three? If from I this? Pasternak's on the best I, team in the league,
1: yeah, and he's the reason that they're the best team in the league. I, I think, I think it goes, I think it goes to Pasternak.
0: I, so, McKinnon, wow. because of, that's bad. If I was a Western Conference team, I wouldn't want to piss off McKinnon in the playoffs for not being an MVP finalist. Yeah,
1: I mean. So, so who do you have? Who would you have in the top three then? Drysdale, McDavid, and Pasternak. Just those are just the top three points. I, so I don't necessarily know yeah, that they're they're the yeah, best players
0: in the league. Let's see how this shakes out before I make my prediction because you'd have to leave McDavid out. Then I mean, no one wants to do that. Um, yeah, let's see how this. I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out. I'm gonna I'm gonna. It's gonna be a recess like we're in a courtroom. <laughs> we're gonna recess till the end of the season and see what happens. Yes. Uh, Joe on money, money, Mitch. Effect. This was uh, another good hockey discussion. Last thing we got to talk about. I need your reaction to what we saw with the emergency backup goalie in Carolina. What a cool story that was. (laughs) With David Ayers just going in there and uh, the just going in there and getting the chance to to live out your dream. Very pressure pressure filled situation, but gets the win, gets the gets to celebrate with the boys in the locker room. The team was pumped for him. I, I was just thrilled to see it, and I hope these situations are rare, but they also do happen on occasion, because it was fun to see a regular guy get the chance to live out his dream.
1: Dude, it's so cool when things like that happen. You, And I feel like it happens more in hockey than it does anywhere else. I don't think it even happens anywhere else. But just think about it. like That guy probably plays pickup hockey once or twice a week, and he plays goalie, and everyone's like, oh, man, this guy's really good. He could probably play in the league. And then he just ends up being an emergency goalie, and then he gets a phone call, and he's like, hey, uh, you want to come <laughs> uh, be goalie for us for for a night? You might have to play. You might not have to play. And then he gets tossed in there, and he just he, he does awesome. It's just so cool. It's just such a cool story because it makes anybody who's just like a regular guy who has their 9-to-5 job or whatever they're doing, they can go out there and play. I mean, <laughs> not – necessarily play at a high level like that consistently. But if you get one shot like that, like if the Mariners came to me and they were like, yo, Joe, you want to play second base for like an inning? We'll give you one at bat. I'd be like, hell yeah. I'll probably strike out, but it'd be awesome. <laughs> Maybe I'll yeah. put it out. Who knows?
0: I mean, the fact that the team was surrounding him and they were they were in his corner too. They are like, look, we know this is a tough situation. Just give it your best shot. I love when Brendan Moore after the game was like, we don't know what your song is, but we'll figure it out. Um, they were they were happy for him, too. I mean, that's the thing. And the thing about sports, hockey especially, is it's camaraderie. That's what – I mean, you love to play the game, but you love to be one of the guys. And the fact that he had his moment and that he was celebrated by the team and recognized it was just so cool. I mean, because that's, that's what, um, you know, we can we can kind of relate to. We just want to be part of, of something special with the boys. And, you know, he got the chance to play in an NHL game, got the win, and was uh, was having the time of his life. I think it was – it was just so cool to see and uh, i know it might be Raptors, a difficult dude. situation to kind of have to worry about this but it doesn't happen that much so let's just appreciate it and have fun with it
1: yeah put him put his jersey up in the Raptors. call it a
0: day oh wow that's a movie for sure uh, <laughs> but joe we'll have to talk again as we get to the playoffs we're about a month out it'll be going hopefully our teams can uh, can be there and uh make another run at some playoff magic but Joker Sally. <laughs> yeah, I wonder
1: if yeah. I wonder if either of us will be as excited as we are right now. We'll uh, I'll, I'll, uh, next time you call me back I'll be like, Yeah, man, I'm just kinda hanging out, you know.
0: Yeah, that might be me too. But if we're both in, it'll be a completely w just a rager. You'll have to listen to this podcast like one on one half slow speed because we'll just be fired up the entire time. You know, talking yeah. about all the matchups and, and roster Chug, news. Chugging you know,
1: pre-workout before.
0: Chugging pre. Well, I'm actually going to do it in between sets. If we make the playoff, we'll just record between <laughs> sets. So, uh, Joe sorry, this was fun. Did. Yeah. At the same time, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Appreciate talking hockey with you.
1: Yeah, man. Anytime.
0: All right, huge thanks to Joe Krasali for coming on and talking hockey. Of course, last night, the Blue Jackets boy, 2-0 lead in Calgary, get a point. The best team at losing in overtime or shootouts in the league by far this year, so they have that going for them, but it's going to be a dogfight in both conferences. Uh, it, it, these races are not going to slow down. Arizona actually beat Vancouver, too, so we're going to see a lot of important games from here to the end of the regular season, which is less than a month away now, hard to believe. All right, now to switch sport from the ice to the hardwood, Chris Scruggs, who was my college radio co-host for four years, which is, you know, a decade ago is when we started over a decade ago. Hard to believe. We're going to talk about some basketball stuff. We talk about, you know, what Kobe meant to him, the Rockets, the Bucks, who have been on fire this year whether the Sixers will finally reach their potential, with the Celtics behind the resurgent Jason Tatum and the other St. Louis hoop star on the Wizards, Bradley Beal. We talk about how they're putting the city on as well. It's Chris Scruggs talking NBA now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, glad to have him back on. It's been far too long. My buddy from St. Louis University back in the college days, Chris Scruggs calling in to talk some hoops Chris always good to break bread talk sports especially basketball thanks for coming on the show
2: no problem thanks for having me
0: well uh it's exciting to say the least we're in that we're in that special month we're in March we've only got a few you know stretch run re- make regular season games coming up we got playoffs on deck there's a lot to uh to go over but you know on a somber note it's been over a month I wanted to Get your take on something because when we were in college way back when you were arguably uh, the biggest Kobe Bryant supporter that I knew, uh, you know he's been gone for over a month, still doesn't necessarily feel real. The, the honors and the tributes have been going on. but Chris, it still just doesn't feel like it's a natural part of life that uh, Kobe's gone at such a young age. I know it was it was a tough one for all of us and I know you had nothing but fond memories of him growing up.
2: Yeah, Kobe was, firstly, most definitely my favorite basketball player and athlete ever. Uh, I like to say rest in peace to Kobe his daughter Gianna and all the people who died in that tragic crash. Uh, In my opinion, Kobe was a top five player ever. He's my second favorite, well, my favorite player, but I think he's the second best player behind Kobe. I know a lot of people don't have him there, but in addition, I think he's the best Laker ever, and What I admired about him most was his skill set and his passion for the game. I think he had the best skill set ever for a player in the NBA, at least offensively, him and Jordan. And just his competitive nature up there with Jordan once again. And I think he was just a real student of the game, a smart player. He was the type of player he'll learn a different language to talk trash to someone. So those little things about Kobe, that's what I admired.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting, you talk about Jordan, uh, I saw the quote where, you know, he was the one guy that succeeded in, in playing and modeling their game after Jordan, and there was that quote way back when, when, when Jordan was talking about one-on-one, he said the only player ever that could give him a game and beat him in one-on-one was Kobe, because he stole all of his moves, and I thought that was a, it was a great quote by Jordan, who gave a great speech at his memorial, just phenomenal stuff. Uh, and I think it's interesting too. I mean, they—they they were two of the hardest workers. Kobe wanted to be the best, whether or not he got there—that's up for debate. He became unquestionably an all-time great, but that's what I remember him as. Whether or not you rooted for him, it was the mentality as an athlete, people in other sports, whether you were football, hockey, like myself, whatever it was, you can model that attention to detail and and honestly chris that's why we're seeing a lot of these young guys uh who have modeled their game after kobe and and his work ethic really succeed yeah
2: and like you said he wanted to be the best but one thing we know for sure is that he got the best out of himself so he was the best version of kobe that he could have been and you know that's based off looking at the level of commitment he had to the game and all the work he put in so even if he's not the best player ever at least he could. He's one of those people who you know gave it gave it his all, and you know he was the best version of himself and got everything he got out of his game. The players that monitored their game after him, you know, I got to shout out Jason Tatum from St. Louis. You can really tell he has the mama mentality right now. But I think what Kobe represented to the younger players was, you know, go after it, don't be scared, and make sure you put
0: in the hard work. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a life lesson, too. That That is much bigger than basketball, and I think it's why he resonated bigger than basketball. Because anybody, you know, very few have the skill to make it anywhere close to the NBA, let alone be an NBA all-star or, you know, one of the first-team all-NBA guys for as long as he did. But anybody can, can take that lesson to get the most out of yourself to put in the time to succeed at your craft. And I think it's why he had so much success after his basketball career. So just kind of put a bow on it. It was a heartbreaking loss, but it's one that... uh you know, in his case, he taught us so much in terms of what we can apply. And I think the NBA and you know society as a whole is better for that. Uh, I do want to mention though, this is a good time to segue. You mentioned you got to give some love to Tatum, who has the mama mentality. Spoke very eloquently about how Kobe was his favorite player, and he mentioned his footwork in particular. Uh, this is a little bit of a, a, re, a renaissance for for St. Louis hoops. Chris Beale and Tatum are just, are both bawling uh, out of their minds right now and uh, really putting the city on the map. This is a great time to be a Hoops fan from St. Louis.
2: Oh, for sure it is. Tatum, he is just taking his game to the next level. Uh, I think this year, the transition from last year was that last year, Tatum wasn't a clear-cut first option or second option for the team. But this year, with Kyrie going in, the addition, and also not only Kyrie, but Al Horford, Kyrie, Terry Rozier, Tatum's position on the team has risen, and he's really made the most of it. He's really improved his game. He made a comment that he decided to not take so many mid-range. He's either going to take threes or go straight to the cup, and I think that really helped him out a lot because in the past he'll try to do, you know, the Kobe or Jordan fadeaway, but now he's more decisive and he either takes a good three or he'll go all the way to the cup. So I think that really helped him a lot.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look at what he's done since the All-Star break. I think, what, 34 a game, he's been arguably the best player in the league or, or top two or three since then. And the hierarchy is good for the team, for the team specifically too. Uh, and I think it was fair at times to wonder last year, Tatum not really fully complete, uh, with his development, who the number one guy was Kyrie was very ball dominant. Now I think it's good for those guys too, for, for, um, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Kemba when he's healthy. The rest of the team knows, okay, Tatum's our number one. We can figure out from there who gets what shots. But I think that's a good thing. And and honestly, Chris, what the Celtics have done, reformatting their team, their offense around Tatum, obviously Stevens needs a lot of uh, credit for that. The Celtics are major players in the Eastern Conference this year. I mean, they are going to have as good a chance as anyone with Tatum, having the chance to be the best player on the court in any series.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think they will be, and we're going to talk about this later, I'm pretty sure, but I think there will be a contender in the East It's uh, still yet to be seen. We'll have to see if they're ready to step up in the playoffs. Last year, even last year, when they got time and they played a guy like Giannis, who was just on a completely different level than anybody on the Celtics, they weren't able to match it, match that. So this year we'll see if Tatum will be able to continue to continue this high play and be able to match a guy like Giannis if they are to meet him in the playoffs.
0: For sure, and I just want to give some love to Beal as well. I know he had the All Star stuff, All Star oh, snub, sure. Bradley Beal, thirty points, uh, a little over thirty in the league this year. That's second behind behind Harden. Honestly, it's like an unofficial scoring title because Harden's just otherworldly as a <laughs> scorer. But yeah. what Beal's done, I mean, especially how he's like we we knew he's a gifted player, Chris, but how he's been able to respond to a slight, to a personal, you know, some news that didn't go his way not getting the All-Star thing is is important to note because a lot of guys with with similar skills would have just pouted and their numbers have gone down. But Beal rededicated himself to his craft, decided he was going to show the world that they made a mistake, and he's gotten better because of it.
2: Yeah, and that's true. And the funny thing about Bill, we can attest to this, he's been the same player since high school. Mm -hmm. His game has definitely evolved, but honestly, I saw this type of game from him when he was in high school. He's always been a smart player, a knockdown shooter, always committed on the defensive end. And honestly, he's just always been a team player. But I think uh, Bill definitely will have some decisions to make in the future. Not sure whether or not he'll want to stay in Washington. He might get to the point where he wants to win, but I know right now he's probably thinking about that Super considering that he's on a team that pretty much don't seem to look like they're going anywhere in their future.
0: Right. You mentioned him being a team player, just taking what the defense gives him, and and being you know being the type of player to help the team win by any cost. Uh, You're right about Beal's future. What? is going to be in the best interest for him his contract what would be winning in terms of you know him hitting his prime now we think uh but having said that chris honestly we'd rather have them in the playoffs than the than the nets or magic right just have Beal and have the potential to have some fun if they can go on a little hot streak here
2: oh uh, maybe yeah i personally would like to see bill in the playoffs over the nets but honestly after seeing the nets last year they actually have a overall a better team than the Wizards, so I think they'll give a team maybe more comp than even the Wizards would, Bill, playing at a high level. The Nets have a couple of guys who will score 50 in Levert, Dinwiddie. They have a nice bench, and they have nice shooters on the team in Joe, Joe Harris, so it's yet to be seen, but I think I'd rather see... Bill, because he's from St. Louis and one of my favorite players, but the Nets may honestly do better
0: in the and playoffs. You're right, and the Nets getting that experience for those guys with Kyrie coming back, Durant, we, we assume next year, coming back, resuming an all-star clip. Good like the Clippers last year, uh, getting some role players, some experience before the Stars come in, and, and you know they, they're used to that environment. Chris Krug's here on the Money Mitch Effect talking hoops. Got to focus on the Western Conference because the biggest story in the NBA the last couple weeks, in addition to Tatum's growth, if we're talking teams, is what the Houston Rockets have done. They trade away Clint Capella. They go completely small. They get Robert Covington. They're playing him at basically a power forward position with P.J. Tucker, no one taller than 6'6", 6'7", in their entire starting lineup. But here they are on an absolute tear, moving up the Western Conference rankings now fourth in the conference, seven and three in their last ten. I didn't see this coming. If anything, Chris, the thing that this did more than anything was awaken Russell Westbrook because he's been a completely different player since that trade back at his all-star form, as good as ever. What are your thoughts on this new Rockets team and and how serious should we be taking them all the way to and through the playoffs?
2: Yeah, the Rockets are definitely having early success. I think uh, losing Capella made more space and room for players to operate. In particular, made it easier for Westbrook. With Capella and Westbrook on the court at the same time, there really wasn't any spacing because neither could really shoot the three. But now that you replace Capello with Robert Covington, Russ can drive and kick to players, and it's similar to what he was doing in OKC. He'd dominate the ball, drive it. If he can't score at the rim, he could kick it to someone who could shoot, and we know the Rockets are full of shooters. I think Westbrook is also he's playing smarter now. He isn't taking as many bad shots. He's either attacking the rim or taking good open mid-range jump shots, and I think that's good for the team. In the long haul, I think it may be maybe somewhat detrimental in the playoffs because we all know in the playoffs the game slows down, so every possession counts. So them getting out-rebounded would be, a, I think, a huge deficit in the playoffs, and I just think it'll hurt them overall, but they still have a punch, puncher's chance with Westbrook and Harden because both of those guys are MVP caliber players and they both could go off for
0: thirty. Yeah, I mean I, I just want to be clear with uh with my thoughts long term. I think that, like anybody, the teams are gonna struggle with are gonna be the, the LA teams. I don't think their new roster makes anything worse versus how they place the Clippers. I think you know the Clippers were gonna give them problems regardless with Kawhi, Paul George, and just the athleticism they have, especially to defend the Rockets probably better than anyone in the backcourt. The Lakers are the team that you think it, that is just a bad matchup in a seven-game series. Anthony Davis in the post for God knows what the Rockets are going to throw at him. I think those are the teams that could spell doom for them. I think they could beat anybody else in a seven-game series, but if you put them against the Lakers in the second round in a best-of-seven, I mean, it's scary to think what Davis might average.
2: Yeah, I think uh, they don't have any answer for Davis, but honestly, in their first matchup, when they first lost a I actually believe they beat the Lakers.
0: Yeah, no, they and
2: did. Even though they, yeah, even though they got out-rebounded, they still were able to make clutch plays. Robert Covington had a good game that game. He made about four or five threes. So, I mean, it's the same thing as the pass for the Rockets. If they're making threes, they could beat anybody. If they're not, they're going to lose. So, I think they put went all in on being able to outscore anyone, and we'll see how that plays out.
0: Yeah, well, I obviously think, I, I agree, I think in, in any one game they could beat anybody. Best of seven, going to be tough uh, to be a team as qualified as the Lakers. So I want to turn my attention to now, Chris, LeBron's had another great season uh, back again with, with Davis this year, who's just been incredible. Lakers have been the best team in the West for most of the season, 47-13, and 13, trailing only Milwaukee in terms of best records in the NBA. Is there any is there anything that you see that could be an issue going forward? Because we know the Lakers are po- are primed for a deep run. We'll see how they match up with other teams in their own conference. But any cause for concern? Do you think it's going to be pretty solid, pretty smooth sailing?
2: Well, maybe I think that may be the Lakers' bench. Uh, recently, role players have been playing greatest, great, especially Rail Pope. He's been on the turn the past month or so. But I think the Lakers really could add another playmaker slash ball handler off the bench. Maybe somebody like J.R. Smith or Dion Waiters. But personally, if I was the GM, I think I'd try to go after Deion Waiters because he is slightly better ball handler and playmaker than J.R. They both shoot about the same, but Waiters, he hasn't been away from the game that long. He actually played this year, and I don't think Jr. played in the last season mm-hmm. as well. So he's been away from the game for about two seasons, so... I think any issue the Lakers will have, I think they need another playmaker off the bench, someone who could actually play with the ball in their hands and actually make a play. They have Wando, who's a playmaker, but that's pretty much all he is at this point. You know, teams yeah. don't fear Wando to shoot or anything like that. So a guy like Deion Waiters, he could come off the bench and kind of be a poor man's little Will in that sense for the Lakers. So if they had any weakness, I'd say that's, that's their weakness.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at one guy in particular who I'd like to see more from, Chris, and that's Cal Kuzma. Again, I don't think any of this is going to cause an issue in the first round, and and depending on if it's the Rockets or somebody else in the second round, you're talking about that maybe showdown with the Clippers. Nuggets could be a team as well, but then if you go for winning a title, I think he's the guy that that is still trying to figure out how to contribute best. We've, We've seen flashes of it, but this is a guy that before LeBron, before Davis got there, Everyone in LA had high hopes for and I think he's still trying to figure out how to best fit in for this team.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think part of that or most of it is honestly mentally. I think he sees guys like Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum and guys he thinks who are all stars this year around the same age. And he see how Ingram went to the to New Orleans and he became an all star, got to dominate the ball and take shots and he wants to be that guy. You know, when you're on your rookie deal, you kind of focusing on that next deal more so than the success of the team. So it depends on how he takes it. He could either see it as okay, I play with LeBron, and we we know LeBron has a history of getting players paid, so I can accept my role, help the team win, get paid. Or he could continue down this path, and we don't know where his future would be with the Lakers in the future.
0: Yeah, this is a crossroads for him too. How he's going to play in these next couple months. It's going to tell a lot. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, Los Angeles, lots going on out here in the hoops world, especially with the Clippers too. Who, despite all the injuries, despite all the decisions to strategically rest players, the term load management gets thrown out a lot with this team. They're forty-two and nineteen. Uh, it's it's actually weird. It's a frustrating forty-two and nineteen because there's been some bad losses in there and some games where they'd like to have back. But second in the conference, six games, five and a half games, I should say, back of the Lakers. What do you think about the Clippers right now, Chris, and their strategic decision-making to rest up for the playoffs with George and Kawhi specifically?
2: Honestly, I'm not sure what to think about the rest in. It's only a bad thing if they don't go far in the playoffs. And by far, I'm I'm thinking the Western Conference Finals or the Finals. But uh, in general, I think it's a good thing for Kawhi. One thing you don't want, he's had a history of being injured, and he's comfortable with coming off, sitting back-to-back games and, that's maybe what's best for him. You definitely have to do it to get on the sign. I think anything he wanted, any team probably would have agreed to let, allow him to rest back to back games. But now that we're nearing the playoffs, I think they should rest less so they could gain more chemistry as a team. They added quite a few pieces, so I think it's important that the team jails with everybody playing. it healthy.
0: I think if it was anybody else other than Kawhi Leonard, we'd be like, what is this team doing? But we saw last year that this works. This guy's that special, and you could rest. He could jump back into a game. He can jump back in after a week or two off and be perfectly fine. So, okay, you got to make an in, exception. In, He's in the addition, exception to the rule,
2: and I'm sorry. In addition, they also have, the Clippers have one of those systems similar to the Raptors or similar to the Spurs, where even if your star player is out, the way the team plays is the same. So, just inserting a piece the game's not going to change too much as opposed to when LeBron is out, you know, the team doesn't play the same. They don't necessarily have a system in place when LeBron isn't there. So I think that also helps in addition.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not going to call my shot yet. Uh, I still need to see a lot more health and, and the gelling of each team. If they do get to the Western Conference Finals, Clippers and Lakers, you know the Clippers absolutely have a chance to win that series. So this is they are the team that is – they've beaten them in the regular season every time they face so far – That could be a heck of a series, and the Clippers, if they can get all their their boats in a row, could absolutely beat that team. So, we'll have to see. I mean, uh, I guess on that note, Chris, looking at the rest of the West, is there anybody else that you look at as possibly a contender? I know we talked about the Rockets, you know, doing some things. The Nuggets are third, and they've had an interesting season, but they do have that depth. Jokic is regaining form. Jazz have struggled. OKC looks nice. Anybody else you're looking at in the West?
2: Honestly, there is no other team in the West besides the Lakers, Clippers, and Rockets who I honestly think have a shot of getting to the finals or honestly even the wrestling conference finals. Um, Two teams that are good teams, they have good depth, are the Denver and Jazz, but I just don't think those teams have that number one guy who's just a top five player in the league, and I think ultimately that's what it'll come down to.
0: Yeah, I think Denver's problem, I mean, Jokic is – You could say top ten maybe even, but the problem is they need that guy in the perimeter that's going to take those outside shots. And and I am surprised a little bit, as I'm sure you are, curious as to why they they may not have used some of that depth to go and acquire that one guy. Because they have some ammo that other teams don't. I, I expect them to be a little more active in the trade market.
2: Yeah, I do, but I think they're comfortable with what they have. I think their strength is in numbers, of course, and I think that's what they're betting on.
0: For sure. Uh, looking at the Eastern Conference, Chris Grugs here on the Money Mitch Effect, talking hoops. Uh, it starts. I'm not going to say it ends just yet, but it starts with Milwaukee. They did lose last night. They're 52 and nine on the season, and uh, you look at the team stats, especially. They're just smothering teams uh, all year, averaging 119 points again, defending super 119 points a game, defending super well, and uh, knocking down shots consistently all season long. Giannis has been incredible. Looking like he's got back-to-back MVPs lined up. Middleton and the rest of the uh, squad has done well. It, it's getting to the point Chris where to, to look at other sports maybe football, hockey, and baseball where I'm wondering now, I might be a little the only worry that I have is that they won't be you know, playing for much. They, they won't be tested down the stretch. Do You think Milwaukee's regular season success is going to cause them to have to refocus as we get to the playoffs because they are just soaring ahead of everybody else.
2: Uh, I wouldn't say it's going to cost them to have to refocus, but honestly, I don't think the Bucks came in to this season really worrying about the regular season. I think this team has been focused on the playoffs since the beginning of the season, especially after being up 2-0 last year on the Raptors and then losing four straight. I think that put a hurting on the Bucks and that's in their psyche. So, honestly, I think the Bucks are ready for the playoffs now. If they're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals or not, I'm not sure about that because – while they are a deep team and a good team, I still think they're missing that second guy. I like Middleton, but I don't think he's the level of a second guy such as Paul George or the Ben and Embiid or the Katie and Kyrie or the LeBron and AD type of one-two matchups. So we'll see how it goes.
0: I mean, that just it's funny that you said that because I agree, but it also like makes the case perfectly for Giannis to win the MVP with what this team's done yeah. and we can't figure out if they have a good number two or not.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think the media sometimes has a LeBron bias, but I think Giannis definitely deserves MVP. He's on pace for the highest PER ever. I think in a single season, he's about at 32, and he's averaging 30 points, what, 14 rebounds, and about six assists. So I, I think he has the MVP sewed up, and his team is a 52-9.
0: You know, the rest of the East is interesting, Chris, because I mean, props to the Raptors for getting to the second seed. They lose Kawhi. They lose one of the top, what, three players in the NBA. Some even say the best. Yeah. And they're still fighting, fighting through injuries, too. Siakam made, it, made an extraordinary leap as well. They're the two seed up over the over the Celtics by a game and a half. You've got Miami, who I want to talk about in a second, that are just playing great with Butler and Bam, just just tearing it up. Pacers fighting now, getting deep uh, Depot back, and then the the very frustrating at times 76ers. So there's uh, there's definitely a cutoff after six teams. Teams three through six are within you know five games in the standings. This is going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because you mentioned that Milwaukee has this great team, this great regular season, but they could get Miami in the second round, and that would be something.
2: Yeah, that would definitely be tough. We saw what Miami did to them the other day. And uh, Bam, he really did a number on Giannis the other day. He's, he has the length, the speed, and the athleticism and strength to keep up with Giannis. So that's what I'm saying, where the Bucks would be missing that second guy who could get their own bucket. If the Bucks had a guy like Bill, I think Bill would be that perfect second guy with that team. But the lack of a guy like Bill or a second guy who you could really count on, I think that would really hurt them in the playoffs, especially against a team like the Heat that's really good and solid defensively and they have a lot of shooters on the team.
0: Yeah, Bam Adebayo is having a great year. I think he's a shoe in for most improved player uh, when you talk about what he means to this team. Butler gets – Butler goes without saying, it's kind of cliche, but he can get a big bucket when you need it, and, and we saw that last year. We're seeing, we're seeing the ramifications of a team like Philly not having that guy. What an utter disappointment, Chris, that, that the Sixers are the sixth seed right now. I, I just all, – all the talent and hype going in, and I expected better like I'm sure you did from this team.
2: Yeah, it's a disappointment, but they have a lot working against them. I honestly still don't know why they gave Al Horford a $100 million contract. That's crazy. You already had a big man, and the game is moving away from big man in that sense. But um, I think they just have a few issues. One is few issues. One is in detail. He can't play every night. You don't know when you're going to have him. And another thing is, As good as Ben Simmons is, he still doesn't take jump shots. And it seems as if he hasn't improved his game since he came in the NBA. So I think if they don't do something this year, they may give it one more year. But at some point, they're going to have to decide between either Embiid and Simmons and try to make a trade or something to get different talent in there.
0: That's a good point. You know, we mentioned Tatum at the start of the show saying that he made the leap. A lot of players make these leaps to becoming elite. And for whatever reason, it hasn't happened for Simmons. He's already an all-star, but if you want to get him in that you know, top five range, he's going to have to start working on his game. Um, yeah, and, and you mentioned problems they have. Number one being, how are they so bad on the road? Best home team in the NBA, 9-23 and 23 on the road.
2: That's inexplicable. I don't know why they're so bad on the road. It's amazing. I think the thing is, though, they don't play hard on the road. I think they think they have so much talent that – they should beat lesser teams, but you have to bring it every night in the NBA. Nobody's just going to lay down and let you run over them because, oh, you have Embiid, oh, you have Simmons, and you all have that name. That really doesn't mean much in the NBA. You have to be on your game, whether you're at home or on the road.
0: Yeah, that's why it seemed like the Pacers, uh, ahead of them in the standings with, uh, I think, consistently much less talent, even though Savonis has had his year and Oladipo's coming back. Last thing on this conference uh, conference race, Chris, if I had to ask you right now, Top three teams going into the playoffs. We're not sure what the seedings are going to be. In the East, your confidence meter going in. Who are your top three?
2: My top three teams right now in the East. I'm going to go number one. I give the nod to Milwaukee. They're playing great, good defensive team. They have the MVP in Giannis. So I'm going to go Bucks. My second team is Boston. They have Jason Tatum, STL kid. They have Kimba. They have Jalen Brown. They have a lot of talent. Marcus Smart. They play defense. They play as a team. have good shooters on the team good coaching so then the third team it was hard but I was choosing between the Heat and Sixers but I'm gonna go Sixers I I'm just not that big of a fan of Jimmy Butler they have a good team but I don't see Jimmy Butler necessarily as that guy and if if Ben Simmons and Embiid are both healthy and playing together I think they can be that third team because they have enough talent they just have to bring it together yeah
0: yeah well, that's interesting. And that race for the two-seed is huge because we mentioned there's that cutoff, Toronto in it, who you didn't mention in your top three. If they get the two or if Boston can get up there, I mean, you're talking about a, a bigger drop-off in who you might play, could draw Philly in the first round, which is where it is right now for the Celtics.
2: Uh, before we wrap yeah, this, I so, think they'll yeah, probably yeah. be avoiding Philly in the first
0: round. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a smart move because you don't want to wake that sleeping giant. Uh, For sure. Uh, Chris, last thing before I let you go. Good chat here on the Money Mitch Effect talking NBA storylines and standings and news and notes and all things basketball. Got to talk about the rookies, the new class in the league, and like many people, I'm just in awe of what Zion's done since he's been healthy and been able to play for the Pelicans.
2: Yeah, Zion, he's an absolute beast. I always thought he would be a solid NBA player. Coming out of college, I thought he would be a superstar Draymond Green in a sense, how people was giving Draymond praise for being able to play defense. And a cool shooter could run a point a little bit. And Zion, he's not quite the point guard Draymond is, but he has great touch touch and finesse around the rim. He could finish with both hands without having to jump over people and use his athleticism. He has a nice handle and court vision as well. He could run a break after grabbing a rebound. And I think the most important thing as a young player – he actually plays to his strengths. He doesn't try to get fancy, and he understands the game, understands his game, and understands how to execute
0: his game on court. I've said this before too, Chris. I mean, doing the little things means a lot. And, and honestly, I think it's kind of crazier sometimes to watch him rebound more than anything because he gets up there and he's already you know so so built and ready to go as an NBA player. Uh, you wonder what the future is going to hold for him. It, it seems like he approaches it the right way too. And the Pelicans are fun. I mean, I don't think they're, they've got enough quite now with design injury early in the year to make the playoffs. They're four games out, lost their last two. But the way they're built, the, the, you mentioned Ingram earlier in the show. Lonzo might be, might be able to fit in there. They've got some nice pieces. This team could be built for, for greatness. I don't want to throw out the, the OKC comparison just yet, but they've got a nice core of, of potential all-stars there.
2: Yeah, they definitely have a nice core core potential all-stars. Me, personally, I'm not that sold on Brandon Ingram. Is that a guy after being an all-star this year? I think his contract is up at the end of the year. Would you give him a max deal? I'm not so sure about that. Maybe you try to sign him and trade him for pieces. I'm not sure. But they definitely have a lot for the future. And Honestly, I like the combination of Zion and Lonzo Ball. I could see them going that way in the future as opposed to Zion, Lonzo, and Ingram, because at some point, if you do give Ingram max money, then he's going to feel like he's the number one option, and I think this team needs to be groomed from day one at these Zion's team.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that one, and yeah, one year for Ingram to be this good, great year, but I don't know, I don't know what the market is for a guy like that to get max money, whatever the, whatever the max is, because the salary cap resets every year. But I'm with you on that one. Uh, as great as Zion is, love watching him play. I don't think it's fair to give him Rookie of the Year based on the games missed. John Morant had a great year for a Memphis team that's in that eight seed right now. So I think you got to reward him Rookie of the Year.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I believe Mor- Morant definitely deserves Rookie of the Year. There was really no expectations for the Grizzlies this year. He has them in an eight seed, and uh, he kind of reminds me of Allen Iverson, a flashy player, a flashy a flashy player who was under control. He has great court vision, good at controlling the game, and he has leadership intangibles, not afraid of the big moments and to really lead a team and control the flow of the game for a young guy.
0: Yeah, Memphis, another team that's exceeding expectations, might be making the playoffs this year, led by a rookie. Chris Scruggs, this was a blast. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, last question, what are you looking forward to these last couple weeks of the regular season, players, storylines? What are you What are you hyped about as we get ready for that final regular season push?
2: Well, I'm still hyped about the 8 uh race with Zion and John ja Morant. I think if Zion does happen to get them to the A C Maybe we should consider him for Rookie of the Year, you know. But I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about the two games the Lakers and Clippers have left. I think everybody believes one of those two teams will win a championship, and I know they have one game this Sunday, the primetime game at 2.30, and then I think they still have that makeup game that they canceled the day after Kobe passed. Mm-hmm. So they have two games left, so I'm really uh, ready to see that, see how that plays out and. Ready for the playoffs? I'm interested to see where the Rockets fall as well, and see what they do in the playoffs.
0: Can't wait! Good talking uh, hoops with you, Chris. Always a blast to catch up, and uh, you know, also mention the St. Louis thing because those guys aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Okay, they're not. Most <laughs> definitely.
2: And also, I wanted to shout out another guy from
0: St. Louis. His
2: name is Caleb Love. He went to C. He goes to Cdc High School. Uh, he's the fifth All-American from Missouri. The other four were Larry Hughes, David Lee, Bill, and Tatum. So that's great company to be in. He's heading to North Carolina next oh, year, so he sounds okay. like he'll be our next NBA prospect.
0: Calling the shot now, although it's not exactly yeah, – I actually have heard of him. Uh, calling the shot now, not exactly a bold claim, but, yeah, he, he's, he's <laughs> next up. This has been quite a run for St. Louis Hoops. But, Chris, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on The Money Mitch Effect.
2: Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure being
0: on here. And that's it for today's show. Big thanks to both guests, Joe Crisali and Chris Gruggs for coming on and talking sports. Always a pleasure when they're able to do that. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can catch every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect and it pops right up. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Money Mitch M21. And uh, another shameless plug, check out if you have the time and you're interested in tennis, the Tennis Channel Live podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network. I host that one with a round table of guests. A revolving door of guests, we'll say, uh, that includes uh, a star-studded group of talent that uh, appears on the air on Tennis Channel, co-workers of mine every day. Podcast drops every Friday. Check it out. About 30 to 40 minutes, roughly. It should be uh, each episode. A lot of great tennis discussion. we got Indian Wells coming up in the desert. Palm Springs, Coachella Valley. Get ready for that one as well. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports.